But based on this clip, we get a gauge of what he thinks about the movement. And it's very interesting. And for the first time, the church that I know of in history, the church lets this very defined subculture dictate what it will be. Bruce Lawn. Jesus Revolution in theaters documenting the spark of the last great awakening in America with regards to the launch of Calvary Chapel, of course, by Pastor Chuck Smith, Lonnie Frisbee, and Pastor Greg Laurie. Pastor Greg Laurie then goes on to plant harvest. The movie did amazing, doubled the expectation. And I saw this video come across my timeline, and I was like, yo, this is so interesting because it's John MacArthur giving his take on the Jesus Revolution movement, not the movie. I don't know what he thinks about the movie, but based on this clip, we get a gauge of what he thinks about the movement, and it's very interesting, okay? So John MacArthur, he pastors a, a church in Southern California. I'm not a huge fan of uh, some of his stuff. Other areas I think he's been very solid in, in terms of boldly proclaiming the gospel on Larry King Live years ago and just being faithful to leading a church. But there's also a lot of other things that we've covered on the channel that we're not going to get into right now. But here is his take on the Jesus revolution, and we're going to unpack it. You have a whole stream of people who are coming at the scripture without regard for any other helps outside themselves or outside the limitations of their tradition. So you get a very skewed form of Christianity. Not only is it Arminian, which of course is wrong, but it's driven by experience and then therefore has a weak view of scripture. That's the charismatic movement. Whoa. So that's his... his accusation towards the charismatic movement. I don't know if he's saying that this is specifically about the Jesus movement, but it's definitely shots, it's definitely shots at Calvary Chapel. Okay, why? Because Calvary Chapel is charismatic, and he's saying because they're about ex quote -unquote, experience, that therefore uh, they have a low view of scripture. Now, the ironic part about this whole thing is that Chuck Smith's known for going precept by precept, meaning verse by verse teaching, okay? He's, I believe, taught through the entire Bible at one point, okay? Verse by verse. So th the fact that because there's a connection to experience in terms of music or whatever, that therefore there's a low view of Scripture, I think that's a wild accusation, but let's, let's let him unpack it. By 1967, another dramatic change happens when a bunch of Jesus freak hippies in the beach areas of Southern California go to Calvary Chapel, which has 30 people, Chuck Smith, 30 people before long with Lonnie Frisbee uh, leading the parade. There's a thousand kids there and the church has to uh, has decided to absorb this and with it the culture. And for the first time, the church that I know of in history, the church lets this very defined subculture dictate what it will be. The church lets a very defined subculture dictate what it will be. Okay, couple things with this. One, there was clear repentance by these hippies. They got off of drugs. They, many of them got married, got jobs, right? <laughs> so it wasn't that the subculture was dictating what it would be. It was that the church wasn't as obsessed with appearances and aesthetics and genres of music then it that, that, that it prioritized engaging people where they were and then taking them where they needed to be. So this is a, 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 a another wild statement on his part that if just because uh, it was okay to wear jeans in church, 
who, oh my gosh, right? Just because the music changed, that that therefore means that it was being driven by the culture. How about St. Patrick, who was a missionary that went to Ireland and completely transformed the entire nation from the time he got there to when he passed away by engaging the culture without compromising and sinning like the culture. People don't know that about St. Patrick. That's coming up, right? There's been tons of missionaries that have went to other countries that learned their culture, i.e. learned their language, i.e. was a part of their customs, and then was able to persuade and convert them to the gospel. This is basic missionary 101. It's only recently, specifically in some of these Western type of reform churches, and I'm not, you know, dunking on all reform churches, but it's only recently that we think that like you can show up, not know the culture, not know the language, not know the customs, and just boldly proclaim John 3:16 and take them through the Romans road, and that's all that's required. And and by the way, this is all anchored on his first initial statement, which there's a low view of scripture. My gosh. And, and and he'll get you more specific on what he means. Out go the ties, out go the hymns, out go all the normal and formal things. And, and the normal and formal things, the hymns. He's, he's mad that the hymns are gone. The, the, the hippie culture, the communal living, uh, you know, kids coming out of drugs and free sex and all of that, that very casual thing. And that's a charismatic church. That's 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 a four square church. Yo. <laughs> He sound like the members of Chuck Smith's church that were mad that the hippies were there. That is wild. So he's upset that there were hippies coming out of a dark culture and getting saved and were allowed to continue dressing the same and liking the same aesthetics of music. This is this is a wild take from John MacArthur on this. I know there's a lot of Johnny Mac fanboys. You guys are going to come for me in the comments section. But this is a wild take from Johnny Mac on this. So that's where the movement becomes what we know as Calvary Chapel. The market-driven church comes out of that charismatic world. It doesn't come out of Reformed theology. Yeah. How yep. does it come out of it? Because the first Calvary Chapel was essentially the church saying, we'll let the culture tell us what we need to be. No, 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 no. We don't let the culture tell us what we need to be. We say, where is the culture and can we meet the culture where it is without compromising our values, without compromising and sinning like the world? If the culture is on YouTube, guess what? I'm going to go and engage people on YouTube based on the things that people care about on YouTube so that we can contextualize the gospel in a way that makes sense for people. If the culture's on Instagram, if the culture's on TikTok, if the culture's, right, that, that's, that's what's happening. So we don't let sin dictate us. That's an L take. And that set the thing in motion. And ever since then, the churches have rolled over to let the culture tell them what they need to be. Hey, you want to see something crazy? 67% of the people who watch this channel are not subscribed. Do me a quick favor, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you stay up to date on all the videos here on the Bless God Studios channel. Wow, that's such an L. Oh my goodness, man. That's what I would say. I could see the high priority of worship. I, I, and, and the so, so I'm not sure if his tone got harsher or if his tone got softer, but the second clip is perplexing. Low priority of entertainment. Uh, I, I was aware because I attended some of the services, I just slipped in back. Um, there wasn't a choir, there wasn't a soloist, nobody was featured. There was a humility to the whole thing. There was a focus toward God uh, that was very apparent to me. 
But at the time Calvary Chapel got started, you were on the very cutting edge of contemporary Christian music, very attractive. And now you have refined that to the point where it's still extremely popular um, and carries, I think, a great, great, um, it's a force in, in the life and experience and worship of the church. I am so confused. This is an older clip from 1992. Did John MacArthur first kind of say, yeah, this is good. It's on the cutting edge of things. It's a force. But then as he got older, got more jaded with it? Like, I, I am so confused on what's happening here. It's a very casual approach to the, I don't know what to say, to the style of the church. It, it's, I mean, obviously you guys aren't into ties and coats, and, but that only speaks of the fact that it, it, there's a lack of pretentiousness. There's, there's a, it's a hmm. low church. In fact, we would say in church history, it's, it's as low as the low church gets. And we don't mean low in the base sense, but low in a liturgy sense. It would be the antithesis of the Catholic Church, the Greek Orthodox, the Episcopalian. You're at the other extreme, um, which, you know, is, is close to my comfort. Aha! Calvary Chapel was at the other extreme of his comfort. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about methodology or are we talking about disagreements on theology? Clearly he has some disagreements on theology, but it sounds like it's on the other extreme of his comfort even though in this, this second clip, which is initially seems a lot more charitable, we're talking about methods that some people are uncomfortable with and starting with the presupposition with, I just don't like that. I just don't like how they dress. I just don't like their music. Starting from that presupposition, we then work the other way around and start finding holes and issues with the theology. Instead of saying, well, what do they believe? I don't really care what style of music it is or how they dress or if they have lights or don't have lights or if they have a stage or don't have a stage or if they're in a building or not in a building. Zone. I'm not a high church person. But I would say that's a distinctive. The, the, the ability to make anybody and everybody come in in any kind of clothing or any kind of situation in life and feel comfortable. From a theological standpoint, it sort of has an identity all its own. Uh, it, it's sort of a, a hybrid, I guess. Uh, I heard somewhere that Baptists think Chuck is a Pentecostal and Pentecostals think he's a Baptist. And so there's a certain amount of ambivalence. Ain't that a good thing? If you're too charismatic for the for the Baptist and you're too Baptist for the charismatic, that seems like there's some balance there. I'm just saying. I mean, am I wrong? That seems like there's some good balance there. If I'm the guy, and I am in, in real life, I'm the guy that around all my charismaniac friends, they think I'm just way too conservative and, I, and I'm way too into the scriptures. But then around all my cessationalist reform friends, they think I'm just way too charismatic. I think that's a good place to be personally. I think that's, that, that, that there's a good balance there for someone who is anchored by the scripture and also in the spirit. Among people about exactly where it lands doctrinally. So it has sort of an identity all its own, but that's not to be, um, we're not to be surprised by that because there is a progression in history in the development of doctrine so that at every point in time in the history of the church, there, is, there are movements that have nuances of newness to them and freshness to them. History's going to look back. Nuances of newness to them and freshnesses. How did this man's heart change so drastically? What happened? This sounds like he's bigging up Calvary Chapel and Chuck Smith. Previous video... He sounds kind of bitter. Someone help me out. I can see a guy with a mainline Pentecostal background who became, in some ways, um, the crusader against where Pentecostalism went. I don't know, man. That sounds like an L for, 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 for your guy, for Johnny Mac. Johnny Mac fanboys, you guys you guys going to have to explain this to me. I don't, I don't understand. 
we have a video of uh, you know, J the John MacArthur, Eileen Gray controversy. If you guys want to check that out with regards to this entire debacle and uh, uh, him kind of taking some L's in that regard. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm just not, uh, I'm not a fan. I, I'm not a fan of the double talk. I'm not a fan of the shade. Um, and I'm not a fan of thinking that there's only one way that God can move. It has to be within this specific way of reform theology and hymns and right. Like God can move in a variety of ways and a variety of expressions and a variety of styles amongst a variety of cultures that all have their own way of doing music. It was so interesting. When I was in Israel, we went to the empty tomb and we, which is by the way, a wild experience. I recommend everyone should go and do that. Okay. And as we were coming out of the empty tomb, we were going into uh, you have the, like these like other little kind of cave rooms where we were going to do communion, going to worship and do communion. As we're coming out, we're walking past and we see other people. We hear people doing worship that sounds like hymns, and then we walk past this this not want to say tribe, but like community of folks that clearly came over from, I believe, Nigeria or Ghana, and they were do their worship sounded totally different. And then we went into this little area where we did communion, and our worship sounded totally different. And it was a trip to sit to sit there, and you're singing more of our mainline songs. You're hearing this Nigerian African music, right? And then you're also hearing like hymns all at the same time. It was wild. It was wild. And so I think that's the beauty of the kingdom. I think that's the beauty of Jesus expressed beyond any specific cultures, beyond just a Western paradigm or an Eastern paradigm or this paradigm, right? That's the beautiful part. You don't really see this until you go to places where Christianity isn't the quote-unquote dominant worldview, right? And then you, you go, wait, wait a minute. Like, we can't fight over hymns versus non-hymns and styles of music and how we dress and what, right? Like, and so anyway, I saw that and uh, I, I just, I was, I was taken aback by Johnny Mac's entire spiel here. Hey, this clip is from our daily after-party stream. If you enjoyed it, consider signing up for our Patreon community for only $5 a month where you get access to the replays of our daily after-party streams as well as the uncut extended versions of our podcast, Discord access that's private, and a discount code for our merch store, only $5 a month. And ultimately, it's the best way to help us conceptualize the gospel of Jesus using media, podcasting, and of course, YouTube. The link for that is in the description or in the pinned comment. The perks are amazing. You should get on there. It's only $5 a month. I'll see you over there, all right? Peace.